Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. I have an Independence Day shirt that is even louder than Mike's, but I'm glad I didn't wear it with all of this. It would have been frightening. So we're in this 4th of July weekend, a weekend when we celebrate our technically or actually our independence from England. We see American flags flying everywhere. I put mine out this morning. I like to to put it out, you know, for holidays a couple of days before and leave it up for a couple of days after. I got to thinking uh, in doing that about patriotism and where I learned about patriotism. Well, I was raised by a World War II combat-hardened, purple-hearted Marine. The first song I ever learned was the Marine's hymn. I get verklempt whenever I see or hear a band playing the Marine's hymn because they remind me of my dad when we were kids and we saw we, I grew up in, in near in Altadena, California, near Pasadena. We were at the Rose Parade every year, and every time the Marine Band went by, we kids all had to stand up with my dad. He flew the flag every day. Every day, my dad would get up and go out and fly the flag, he, and he'd, he had an absolute fit when he'd see an American flag flying somewhere and it was faded or tattered. He felt it was disrespectful to the flag. And so he went through a lot of flags. In fact, he had a 49-star flag. I wish I had it today. They must have been pretty rare to have a flag with 49 stars on it. Of course, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, my dad and I, believe it or not, had a little different opinion about the Vietnam War. There were flag burnings and people were protesting and people were wearing flags as clothes and it really got under his skin. And I was in college from 1967 to 1972, which were the, was the height of the Vietnam War and the height of these protests and flag burnings and all that craziness. And I know many of you lived through that as well. I came within a hair of being drafted. Now, I was in the first military draft. Remember the draft? 365 numbers, right? My number was 33. So the odds of me being drafted were very good. In fact, the day I had to take the, the physical, the Army physical, I was in college, and I had to take the physical. So I went down to downtown Los Angeles, took the physical, of course passed it, when I got home to my dorm in college, I had a letter in the mail that said I didn't have to take my physical. <laughs> but I took my physical. That's how close I came to being drafted. I must tell you that had I been drafted, I would have served. My dad's feelings about the flag can be summed up in a statement that he made that still impact me today. 
when we got, we started arguing, of course, I did the old college, you know, that's just a piece of cloth, you know, and it's just a symbol, and you know, the, you know the argument, right? Well, my dad said this, and it changed my perspective. He said, I spent the better part of four years in the jungles of the South Pacific fighting to keep that flag flying, and no one is gonna take it down while I'm around. It has been said that America's patriotic spirit suffered a big blow during the 1960s, beginning with the assassination of, of, of John Kennedy, followed by assassinations of Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy, and the whole disillusionment and in, of the American people, many of them anyway, with the war in Vietnam. Well, I was caught between the loyalty to my father in those days and the prevailing attitude of all us, most of us college students was get out of Vietnam. Seems we're in another period where patriotism is being questioned as we see this experiment in democracy because that's what we are that's what our country is, and it's an experiment in democracy. And we take great pride in that, but we find that experiment kind of shaky in our days because we are threatened by extremism uh, across the political spectrum. But here we are, yet once again, celebrating the birth of our nation and, and remembering the reasons that we hold Fourth of July so special, freedom, independence, and democracy. I want you to think for a minute, where were you on July 4th, 1976? I'm gonna give you a minute to think about that. Where were you on July, that's bicentennial day. July 4th, 1976, it was a Sunday. Have you got, have you got it in your head where you were? I was leading my first worship service in my first church of my career in a little farm town in Clarksburg, California, right on the Sacramento River, in a sanctuary that was about the size of our chapel. I remember standing at the front door of the church, greeting people as they, as they left, as we do, as all churches do, I think. And as I was standing at the front door, looking out, I could see the, the little town parade starting to go up School Street, which was right out in front. Clarksburg was a town of 400 people, mostly farmers of tomatoes, safflower, and sugar beets. Had two churches, the Congregational Church, or the Community Church, actually, which was the UCC Church that I served, and St. Joseph's Catholic Church. And people from both those churches helped build each other's churches. Everyone in town had a charge account at Holland Market, and George, who owned the market, would just send you a bill at the end of the month for the groceries that you bought during that month. I was ordained in that church in that next that October of that same year. Seems like a lifetime ago, and it was in many ways. 
What has changed in our nation then in 47 years? 47 years since that day, July 4th, 1976. Where do we start? We've invented things like the internet and social media and cellular phones and, and artificial intelligence. That term just sounds kind of funny to me. Um, it's like phony intelligence. Um, and we're learning a lot about those inventions, both the positives, of which there are many, and there are also negatives. We are a nation divided by culture and by politics and by morality like we haven't been since the Civil War. 45% of American households own at least one firearm, and we as a nation produced 14 million firearms just last year alone, not of all, all of which stayed here in America, but we've also had 300 mass shootings so far this year. The effects of climate change are increasing and the world's superpowers, it seems these days, are pushing hard against one another for economic and military superiority. On the other hand, in these 47 years, we've made tremendous advances in medicine and healthcare. We've elected an African-American president and a female vice president. We make great progress in racial and cultural diversity where people of color and women and LGBTQ plus citizens have greater acceptance and opportunity. We've taken meaningful strides in conservation of our natural resources and production of renewable energy. In those 47 years, I served six congregations as full-time pastor. Two are relatively healthy, two now have part-time pastors, and two are gone completely. We here at Church of the Beatitudes have seen great changes in those 47 years in membership, and in leadership, and in cultural attitudes about church and church participation. We are at yet another crossroads in our history as a nation and as a church, balancing hope and confidence with anxiety and uncertainty. I chose this lesson from the Psalms because it's always given me comfort in anxious and difficult times, please hear it again. It's a combination of what the writer is saying and what God is saying. The writer of this psalm tells us, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, and though the waters tremble with its tumult. And God, speaking to us, says, be still and know that I am God. I am exalted in the heavens. I am exalted in the earth. Then the psalmist reminds us at the end, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. At the dinner table, my father would always lead the table graces. Many of them were learned from his Christian scientist mother. My, by the way, my dad, when he'd get mad at our pastor, at the UCC church, he threatened to go across the street to the Christian Science Church. 
He never did it. There were times he walked home, however. It was about a mile uphill. But he led our table graces, and many of them we would sing. My dad had been actually a soloist in the Christian Science Church when he was a, a teenager. And so we would sing our graces oftentimes. And some of those were, were Christian science uh, sayings. Some of them were, were psalms. This was one of those table graces, the one I read that we're hearing today. And another one was, and I'm going to try to sing it, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God all creatures here below. Praise God above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That one we would sing. <laughs> Please. <clears throat> that really reminds me of my dad because my dad would just belt it out. The rest of us would sing with him. At my tender age of 74, I plan to live, God willing, at least until 90. That's only 16 years. I, you think I can make it? I think I can make it. What happens in our nation, in our, in our world, in those 16 years, let alone in the next 16 months, is anyone's guess. As for me, I have to rely on a higher power to provide me with the resilience, with the resilience, and I think that's what we need in our time. Each one of us, we need to be resilient because things change so fast. One of the, one of the messages we're getting from um, um, artificial intelligence is that it's come on us so fast, so fast we weren't prepared for it and we're worried about it coming on so fast that it's going to create havoc in our culture, in our world. So we need to be resilient on what's coming ahead of us so that we can cope with whatever it is. To borrow this second step of AA's 12 steps, I have, and I think we all have, as we are people of faith, come to believe in a higher power that can restore us to sanity. So I try to rest in the faith that God is my refuge and strength, and for my part, I need to be still and know. The be still part is usually the hardest part, since I suspect, like you, I like to be in control and to plan my future. That's an oxymoron, by the way, planning the future. It's sort of like jumbo shrimp or unbiased opinion. <laughs> that higher power of God that we rely on is a wisdom greater than we may ever know, greater than we may ever have, certainly. And so to be still and know is to find rest in knowing that we don't have to figure out all of the world's problems all by ourselves. Our human attempts to solve the world's problems, even with our successes, still leave us exasperated. In faith, we turn to God, the God of our ancestors, the God of our times, 
for that rest for our souls and our spirits, knowing that we are always in God's care. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.